0: If you could go with me back to where I started from. Take your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, two verses. Romans chapter 10. My brother Weber heard the call of God on his life to go deeply appreciative of people who hear God's voice and do not ignore it, put it off. They're willing to do it. It's not easy. You have to just say yes against a lot of personal emotions. Plus the forces of darkness will come up with every every reason in the world not to do it. Try to discourage you in the process. But I hope, Brother Weber, you, you probably already know Job thirteen fifteen. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Baby, if you, and brother, if you don't have that attitude, you ain't going to make it. You got to have it. You will have to kill me to stop me. I told the devil that many times, still tell him. You will have to kill me by the grace of God. Not bragging in any willpower, but by the grace of God. Because God said he'd come under us and help us. And it's God... His reputation's at stake, ultimately. And so I, I love Philippians 1 6. Uh, tremendous. Also 129. Uh, but in this passage, this this always has moved me when I read this. Most of you know Romans 10 9. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 13 down there. But not too many. Of we as, as we go through that passage, you look at this here, and I, I have the five essentials. Five essentials for reaching the world for Christ. I believe in this. In these two verses, he gives at least five essentials for reaching the world for Christ. How then shall they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how shall they call? How shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear? without a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. May God give us a few moments tonight to meditate on these two verses. Father, we pray that you'd come, and we know that in and of us is no good thing, but through us through the blessed Holy Spirit, you can do great and mighty things which we know not. We pray, Father, that there may be some in this room, some young people sitting in this room, that your hand would come upon, your voice would speak to, uh, for some special or unusual call. Pray that the power of God may be present here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Five essentials that are necessary for getting the gospel out into the world. The first one, I believe, is understood. It's the necessity for sound doctrine. You have to have something to preach. The necessity for sound doctrine. The devil can can stop world evangelism if, if he can somehow pollute the doctrine, pollute the doctrine. And man, he's giving it every shot. Woo-wee, doggies, is he not giving it a shot? I mean, you got, think how many cults there are. Think how many isms and schisms and 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 the, and I'm not even talking about the David Corish and the Jim Joneses, the just fringe wild. But he's 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 got sophisticated, sophisticated in what he does. I believe going early on in the first two centuries, the devil gave it everything he had to try to snuff out the the band of Christians while they were small. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me that when he knew that they were a small group, and he heard Jesus' words going the going to the world and preaching the gospel of every creature. He knew He knew that God was going to empower these 11 plus folks, end up being 12 with Paul, and then that 120 in the upper room. But still, that's not a big number, a small number. I think the devil threw everything he had. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He heard those words. He said, oh, Really? All of my planning and all of my efforts and all of my conniving and scheming is not going to stop it? Well, we'll see. And the, and the war begins. And he begins, the first thing he begins to do is try to pollute the doctrine. He tried to pollute the Bible. He brought up what they call the Gnostic Gospels. There's over 50 of them. The Gnostic Gospels. Now we don't know about that. You can find out about it. It's way too complicated to talk tonight about. But there's just recently they've been rediscovered. Isn't that interesting? And and the the gospel according to Barnabas is one of the Gnostic Gospels. And the Gospels, the Gnostic Gospels, I think there's 20 some of those 50 some that are complete. But God in his sovereignty preserved us, inspired and preserved the word of God. And I I say this with all confidence, I hold in my hand the word of God. King James Bible. It's been a miracle. It's been hated from its very inception. It's been attacked over and over and over again. The liberals have come to try to destroy this book, try to discredit this book, try to get us to get off of this book. Why? Why? Anything that anybody tries to get off of, of me, anytime they try to get me some, off of something that much, I know I sit back and go, wait a minute, what's the problem? What's the problem? The devil can stop world evangelism. He somehow can pollute us. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, two, For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. It was Jesus' doctrine that astonished the people in Matthew 7.28. It came to pass. Jesus ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Knowing doctrine is essential to knowing Christ. John 7:17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. The early church understood the importance of having pure doctrine in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. It was sound doctrine that the early church, uh, the early Christians filled Jerusalem with, according to Acts chapter 5 and verse 28. Sound and pure doctrine is at the very heart of living for Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 17, But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. It is at the heart of being a good minister to have sound doctrine. According to 1 Timothy four six. according to 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation. As Paul speaks to the young Timothy, young Timothy was 40. I looked at your birthday, brother, 1972. That makes you about 43, 43 years old, amen. You're getting up there, but you're just starting to go. You're just, you're just up in fourth gear now, brother. Go for it. And 1 Timothy 4, 16 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in, in doing this thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. I like that. It's important to study the book. Pure doctrine is essential for the reaching of the world and for salvation. Second John Chapter 1, verse 9 says, Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. In Sunday school class, I've just kicked off a work that I have spent my my life getting together, putting together, refining, and that is the doctrine of the deity of Christ. And it, it has taken me up to this. I mean, I always say every sermon I ever preach is accumulation of everything I've ever heard, said, done, or been taught by the Holy Spirit. And it is essential to know who Jesus is. That's why it's attacked so much. Jehovah's Witnesses try to make him an angel, uh, a God. They try to change John chapter uh, 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was a God. That's not in there. It's wrong. They try to to twist it in every way. The, The Mormons do the same thing. Try to make, uh, basically, uh, God was once a man, and became a God, and as he once was, so we shall be. That's their main statement. They're as bad as the Islamics, the Mormons. It's a sensual or sexual-based religion, if you study it very much. Women are bad. For women to be saved, you've got to be baptized under a man. And guess what you women, Mormon women, get to look forward to? Going to heaven and being married. Some Yehu forever. The beautiful thing about being married here, it ain't forever. Case of bullets. Case of bullets start flying. (laughs) It's a male-driven church. I said in Sunday school, we let you girls come. All the man said, "Hey man, yeah, <laughs> you watch them gorillas in a zoo. They get up there, big old male gets up there for you know two, three thousand pound boy, and he goes, goes, 'You got to let us do that, girls. We need to do that. You got to let us do that. We need to do that. There's something in us just needs to beat the chest, i 'I'm the king.'" I don't have any followers, but I'm the king. Pure doctrine, brother. Pure doctrine. Don't give up. Don't move the ancient landmarks your forefathers have fought for, died for, suffered for. This whole King James thing, I've read about it, read about it, read about it, read about it, read about it. Read about it. I'm, I still am reading about it. I just finished two books on it. And I can tell you, after reading every view, I've read the view of Westcott and Hort. I've read Westcott, about Westcott and Hort. And I've read the biographies and we're going all back, done everything I can do on it. And I can tell you, after all reading that, I believe this is, the, this is the preserved words of God. But I, why? I just believe God's big enough to do it. I don't think He has a problem. I don't think some Yehu in 1881 comes along with some super photographic memory and says, uh, there's too many things in the Bible, we need to deduct over 200 of them. No, no. I don't think God's the kind of God that's going to give us something that shouldn't be there for 1800 years until this old boy shows up. No. We got the Bible. You can have confidence in this book. You can put your life upon this book. You can stand upon this book. and God will keep you... And the doctrine of Christ and the doctrine that we teach, the doctrine that's been taught throughout the 2,000, almost 2,000 years now, it's a doctrine that will still save the sinner if they'll come and repent. The second thing I see there in that passage is there's a method of communication, preaching, preaching. It was preaching that Jonah was to do that saved Nineveh. It was preaching that John the Baptist was commanded to do to make way to make the way straight for the Messiah. It was preaching that Jesus did to usher in the kingdom, according to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. It was preaching that the early Christians used to spread the gospel to the known world. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4, therefore they were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. Yes. It was preaching that Philip did to, to save the old Ethiopian eunuch it was preaching that Paul was doing uh, that put Eutychus to sleep, so he could, so God's power could be demonstrated in his resurrection. <laughs> Amen. It was preaching that the gospel of the gospel that God chose to save those who believe. In 1 Corinthians one eighteen, it says, "For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness." But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. I like in verse 21 there, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. In Titus chapter 1, verse 3, it says, But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. There is something spiritual, something supernatural. Something right about preaching. Uh, the trend of our day is to use is, is to go to music. No, God did not go save the world through music. God's not going to save the world through cantatas. God's—I'm not all against all that, but, I, but but when that becomes the main thing, it's wrong. The main thing of a local fundamental Bible-believing church is the preaching of the Bible. It's the preaching that should be the center of it all. Not because I'm a preacher, but because God said so. And it's been God's way of reaching the world is through the preaching. There's something supernatural happens when the Bible's preached. It convicts sinners of their sin. It raises up people that, to go. Brother, it was the preaching of the Bible. My brother just got up here and said, the Preacher, preach, it's your turn to get up to bat. I played eight years of baseball. Turn time to get up to bat. That's right. Go for it. So we see it's pure doctrines necessary for the reaching of the world. The preaching needs to be necessary for the world. The thirdly I see in this passage that preachers, you can't have preaching without preachers. And may I say this very clearly and emphatically. God called men. Not popular. But God called men. God does not has prescribed it and is against women preaching to men. Now women can preach to women. We have a woman's, in fact, the 20th of February, gonna have gonna have a woman come. <laughs> from R U. And her name is Burke. That's right. Her name's Burke. And she's the wife of the head of RU right now, and she's going to come. We've had all kinds of women come, and the women come, and they they preach, they teach the other women. Nothing wrong with that. But brother, the Bible the Bible is so clear: the woman's not to preach or teach and use her authority over a man. But why? Because God made Adam first, and He made him the head of it all. Now, good, bad, or ugly. And I'm going to tell you, I'll agree with you, ladies. We're in a mess, and, and men can be blamed for a lot of it. Let me tell you, if a family fails, a man's going to be held responsible for the failure of that family. Let me say this. You, you men that are allowing your women to push you to the light, how about you starting to push your wife to the light? How about you start initiating the Bible reading? How about you start saying, this year we're going to read our Bible through come blank or high water? We are going to read the Bible through this year, brother. You're the head of your house, both you and your wife read the Bible through. All you got to do is say it. I remember I came to my wife, I'm 19-year-old, she's 18-year-old, and I said, Kathy, I feel deeply burdened to read the Bible through this year. I think we we can't grow as a Christian without reading the Bible. Let's read the Bible through. And God bless her soul, instead of fighting me, instead of dragging her feet, instead of being sloppy and lazy, she said, Bill, I'm going to read it. The trouble was she read it before I did. And you say, "Well, I'm busy, brother, I'm going to tell you, I'll challenge any woman in here. you're not busier than my wife. I'll challenge any woman, any anytime, any place, outside, inside, anywhere. You are not busier than my wife. I've seen that woman work 50-hour weeks, come home, do everything, do the laundry and everything, clean the house, do everything, and read her Bible. It still beats me reading the Bible. You can do it. But man, That's really, you're the leader. You're the one. God's God's given us pure doctrine. He's given us a method, preaching. And he's told the man, you go forth and preach it. Reach the world for Christ. God forbid a woman-driven church. God forbid. We men need to be stepping up to the plate. We men need to be the heads of things. We men need to be the driving force behind the local Bible-believing church. After all, it's a man's world. I preached on a little section on a sermon I did. It's a man's world. I made, I made third place in badpreachers.com. What's crazy about it, I had thirty four or 5,000 hits on that thing. And what was crazy about him, a lot of them positive, the positive ones would say, well, he's preaching the Bible. What are you, what are you, what are you crucifying him? What are you hurting him for? He's just preaching the Bible. You don't, know, you don't know the Bible? That's right. Amen, amen. That's right, just preaching the Bible. All the elders of Israel were men. Adam was a man. Everybody in the temple, the Levites that led the whole thing, were men. The 12 disciples were all men. Come on. Ah, all the preacher, New Testament, were husbands of one wives. One wives. You didn't catch that. We have pure doctrine, we have preaching. We have God called and chosen men. God chose Paul and the apostles to be the instruments to spread the doctrine. It was his preachers that solved the problems in the Jerusalem Council. Paul ordained elders in every church, men in every church who went to to set forth things in order. In Acts chapter 20 verse 28 it says, Take heed therefore unto thy yourselves and the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So we have pure doctrine, we have preaching, and we have preachers and fourthly, you have the local church. You have a place that is birthed by God. A place to meet together. I understand it's not about the 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 brick and the mortar and the carpet and the buildings, but you have a place that has been dedicated to God. It it can be a storefront. It it could be a place like this. But I remember when we got together in 1980 to have this little local church, and the people said, we we need to have a a church. We believe God's moving us to start a local church in North Benita. I remember it was a daunting task, but nothing. God just kept helping us little by little, little by little, little by little and establish a local church. I believe a local church in its essence is an organism, not so much of an organization. There's this prescribed way to operate with prescribed offices and leadership, very specific, and by the grace of God, here at the Gospel, we're trying to follow the New Testament as close as we know to follow it. We want to do that. I don't feel you can be right with God if you're not part of a local Bible-believing, fundamental church. I believe you have to be to be right with God. If you get mad at Christians and say, well, I just don't believe in all them hypocrites out of the church, uh, that's not going to fly with Jesus who died for the church. He died for not just the people, but he died for the system too. He created this system of deacons, pastors. He calls the men. He appoints the deacons. Uh, the people get together, put their hands together, support, by the grace of God, we're going to have 100 missionaries here pretty soon, and and we're going to support these missionaries. It takes united putting our hands together. A local church. the local church is a place where individual Christians gathered together in Acts chapter 14, 27, when they were come and had gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them. They opened the door of faith in the Gentiles. That's what our brother's going to do when he comes back four or five years from now. By the grace of God, come back and rehearse what's going on in Mongolia. Here's what's happened. What adventure you have ahead of you, brother. What adventure. The church is his body. Colossians 24 says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. We're the body of Christ. And we're here as a church. The fifth thing and the last thing that I believe one of the five essentials for reaching the world is the written record, the Bible itself. God's word, eternal. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Jesus said, my word shall not pass away. The Bible says in First 1 Peter 1.25, The words of the Lord endureth forever. This is the word which the gospel is preached unto you. Keeping an accurate account of God's word is necessary for the people of God. To, I want to, this, this thing was handed off to me some 40 some odd years ago, 45, 46 years ago. This thing was, this Bible, King James Bible, was handed off to me. And by the grace of God, I'm going to hand it off to the next guy. And just like old Pastor McKinney handed this baby off to me, he said, be, because This is God's Word. You take care of it. You keep it up. It's not my business to be changing. It's not my business to be inventing something new. It's not, because I've seen what happens to groups that, that move. Southern Baptist Convention, I was Southern Baptist for a while. Some Baptist convention years ago had they went to the, they went from the King James Bible. They used to use the King James Bible, went to good news from Modern man, didn't they? Then they went to uh who knows what? They probably went to NASV. And then they went to the maybe, maybe it was just the ASV. Or years before that, maybe the R V. And then it was the uh a new NASV, and then it was the NIV, and then it was the Amplified Bible, and then it was the Living Letters, and then it was Phillips Letters, and and then it was the ESV, and then it was all these other. And brother, what confusion! You'd never memorize anything. You keep switching Bibles like that. You just you got to stick stick with the book. It's fine. It's good. It's good. It's fine. It's essential. It's essential to stability that God has given us something this. Wonderful. God preserves His Word. I know that. You're going to speak uh, whatever language they speak over there, by the grace of God. Somebody had to go over there and translate it. Somebody had to work hard on that. I believe God was with them when they did that. I believe God's with His people. So we see from our verse here, it says we have pure. We need pure doctrine. We need a communication, a preaching. We need a God-called man as our brother here tonight, and as myself and as Brother Moon, and, and, and to preach the Word, you need a place, an institution, a, a church, a local mechanism by which all of these things work out of. And then lastly, you need God's record, the Bible. Imagine them first century people, how they struggled. They didn't have this. They only had the Old Testament. 39 books of the Old Testament. They were well established by that time. The Masoretic scribes, and God had used those old boys to put that together. They had an established Old Testament. But they didn't have the New Testament. I think of the privilege I've had as a Christian to have the completed Bible and to be able to walk around with it in my hand. God forbid if I don't read it. God forbid if I don't look at this thing and, and reverence it the way it ought to be reverenced. When I think of the people that were burned at the stake under the, under the Spanish Inquisition, when the Catholic Church, if you didn't agree with them, wouldn't wouldn't support them, they'd take you and stretch you on a rack and, and burn you to the stake. And some of the people who originally <clears throat> propagated the Bible for the common man They were were burnt to the stake and persecuted, lost everything. I think about those. You read those in Fox's Book of Martyrs. And I think about the price they paid so we could have a written record. We have this written record that God has given us, and I want to hold it dear and hold it near and preserve it by the grace of God as much as I know how to as an individual and pass it on to the new new generation say, this is a book that'll help you, it'll guide you through life, it'll take you through every pitfall, every problem. You young people sitting in front of here, this will be the book. When you're old like when you're old like Brother Secorah, this book will work. It'll be just as good as the day. The preacher used to stand up when I was a kid and say, buy it. this is the word of God. And I stand up for you some 45, 60, maybe longer than that later. I say, This is the word of God. May God help us to reach the world with what the tools that he's given us to do. I don't want to give up. I don't want to get tired. I want want to see, uh, I want the devil to have to pry my cold, dead fingers off of God's mission for me and God's call for me. There's a website I found the other day called Cold Dead Hands. Don't go to it. Because once you go to it, they email you to death. I just bought one little bumper sticker from them. I just bought one $3 bumper sticker from this colddeadhands.com. And what it said was, we don't dial 911. And I put that on Tyler's door. I put that on Tyler's door. We don't dial 911. And I've gotten emailed 5,000 times from them selling me T-shirts and everything else. I haven't bought anything else. That's it. But I like the spirit. They're not going to let America be taken by a bunch of liberals and the Constitution be ruled. The only way they're going to let that is they're going to have to pry their cold, dead hands off their guns. Oh, I like that. That's in the secular world. But we as Christians ought to have the same spirit, if not greater than they have, and say, by the grace of God, you're going to have to pry my cold, dead fingers off this book. Some guy said to me, you're going to ever switch off the King James? I said, when they kill me, I will switch to the heavenly version. That's right. What peace again. Years ago, Tom Gillespie, I'm going to tell on Tommy, that's what happens when you don't come to church. Uh, Tom Gillespie, they when they they were struggling on coming sporadically. Some of you were struggling here. You come on, so you know your, your attendance is sporadic at best. It, it's, it's if, you, if everything just the moon lines up, sun lines up, health lines up, everything lines up, you show up. Do that for your employer, see how it works out. And and, and you know. Tom was coming, some Sunday nights he'd come, some he wouldn't. Some he'd be in, you know, like he'd come maybe two Sunday nights of a month, maybe, maybe, and then he'd miss a Sunday morning. You know, and I, finally I just went, I knew they were struggling. It's a family. They had, the kids were at home. They were, you know, they, his kids were straight A students. And the excuse was, the kids would come to him and say, now I got homework tonight, and you want me to be a straight A student, right? Yes. Well, if I'm going to be a 4.0 student, I got to study tonight, so I can't go to church. So he'd let him stay home, let him stay home. Finally, I went to Tom, I said, Tom, you're never gonna have peace if you don't drive a stake down in your life and saying, We are going to church on Sunday night. Well, you will have to pry my cold, dead fingers, but before I'm not gonna go. He came to me and says, I told my girls, we're going to church on Sunday night. I don't want to hear one little squeak of protest. And you know what? They started showing up just like clockwork. They were there, and they showed up every time. And you know what he said? I came to him a few months later. I said, Tom, how is he? He said, peace, brother. We've got peace at home. We all know that on Sunday, that's God's day, and we're giving the whole day to him, and we're going to the services, whatever they are, and we're going to give it to him. We've just given Sunday to God. We have peace. Before, he said, we'd have arguments. We'd have fights. You want to go, you don't want to go. That whole debate... About 5.30, we're going we're, going. we're going, we're not going. We're going, we're not going. We're going, we're not going. That's all over. We're going. He got peace. I've seen numbers of people do that. And they've got, that what the reward they get is peace. Peace, peace, peace. My wife and I don't look at each other and say, what are we going to do on Sunday? We're going to church, by the way. I hope that you plant your feet down on the things that God has given us, the essential things, the fundamental things of survival, the fundamental things of success, and say, we're going to stay here. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to put our feet down until Jesus comes. Because you know why the devil's going to come by your house? He's going to try to throw you off of good stuff. Every, every good thing you ever plan on doing, you know the devil's going to try to take you out of it. He's going to try to somehow convince you to be alienated from the, from the, the doctrine, the pure doctrine of the Bible. He'll try to alienate you from preachers. Can you imagine that? He'll try to alienate you from the system. He'll try to alienate you huh, from the Word of God. Just say, do all you want, but by the grace of God, I set, I've set my sail. I've driven the state down. I know these things are right. Long before us, these things have been going on. And let me tell you what, 30 years from now, you'll be in good stead. 30 years from now, you'll be in good stead. And you'll say, I'm glad I did that. A lot of you have done that. Praise God for you. And it makes for a a sense of, of unity and peace. And I'm going to tell you what God gives us is he gives you power. Power to make a difference in your community. Power to have a bus ministry. Power to go door to door. Power to be able to go to the detention center or the flea market and tell people about Jesus and come through there because you have people that are willing to man that stuff, people willing to work in that. power to have a Christian school, uh, some 22 paid employees in total. That's what it does. From a a a a little renegade group of folks. We talked about the name being Renegade Baptist. We talked about it. A little group of people. Father, help us tonight as we look at uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. We pray, Father, that you'd establish your work. We know you will. Move in power among your people. May the younger people realize someday they're going to be in our place. The responsibility of what you've done will be upon them then. And may, God, they be faithful to step up to the plate and do the right thing drive stakes down on the good things of God and say, we're going to do these. We're not going to be driven by every wind of doctrine, every fad that comes through Christianity, every little movement that comes. We're not going to jump on any of that. We're going to stick with the ancient landmarks our forefathers have set. Father, help us tonight. There could be some in this room without Christ as your personal Savior. You struggled, struggled. You have absolutely no peace. You have no Peace. Why don't you come to Jesus tonight and say, yes, Jesus. I believe that you died. I believe you were buried. I believe with all my heart that the third day you were raised, your blood was shed upon Calvary for my sins. Why don't you come in faith believing like a little child and say, I believe, Lord, help my And God will give you peace. He'll give you stability in your life. He'll give you grace and mercy. Come to him tonight. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen.